Welcome to the Hen L Sports Podcast with your hosts, Henry and Elliot. And today, guys, we will be having a special guest. You've heard him before. We all love him. Andy. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, we've had Andrew before on actually another Michigan State podcast. We're going from the previous season's basketball season, but let's... Henry, why don't you explain what we're talking about? Yeah, let's first give a recap of uh, this past season in Michigan State basketball. They started off as the number one ranked team in the country. Obviously, as most people know, they considerably disappointed a lot and finished the season as number nine ranked team in the country. And due to the coronavirus, as you all know, um, they did not get to finish their season. So number nine will have to sit there forever. But they finished 22-9, and 14-6 in the Big Ten, finished as Big Big Ten champions, would have been the number two seed in the Big Ten tournament. But I'm going to ask you guys how you guys thought this season went. Um, Andrew, why don't you start us off? All right. Uh, well, I believe the season uh, was successful, but obviously it's disappointing that uh, we didn't get to finish that season. But because I truly think uh, we would have made a deep run in the tournament, judging off of how the end of the season went, because we went on a very big hot streak, ending with a nice win streak at the end of the season. But at the beginning of the season, we kind of had a slow start, but keeping in mind everything that happened with Cassius and his brother and injuries, I truly believe that uh, even having the season we had with everything going on was a success, even though we didn't live up to the number one team in the country. But I think the season went very well for Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans. Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, it was, I have to admit, I was very scared after losing to Duke. Like, that's when I thought that, okay, we're going to kind of be a lower-end team this year, which will be fine. We'll make a run in the tournament. And then we started piling up that three-game Three out of, like, every... We lost three out of seven or something crazy. We got absolutely destroyed by Purdue. That was that was my heart sinker. And, um, yeah, like, we lost teams like Indiana, Wisconsin. And then we lost two straight, once to Wisconsin, once to Penn State. And then to Michigan. So that's... And then we started to pick it up, which... Then I figured once... This Michigan State team hot gets hot, then I know that Tom Izzo can actually lead us deep run in March. Yeah, for sure. I think um, is where it really started to turn was that Tillman putback slam against Illinois, for sure. And um, I really did think that was momentum, but I almost I got a I had we had a little scare there. Um, I was at Andrew's house for this game when Michigan State played Maryland. We were very hype about that game and figured once we got into the last four minutes and we were up seven we for sure had it in the bag but as you all most of you know we did end up losing that game as Anthony Cowan Jr. the point the former point guard for Maryland had the most clutch ending he's ever had in his career but that's I think that's that's gonna recap it for last year's season let's move on to a few questions we have about next year's team what do you guys think about Xavier Tillman declaring for the draft, and what are your expectations as it, if he comes back next year? 
Well, it was kind of obvious that he was going to look into the NBA draft. He just got, he just had his um, second child, Xavier Tillman Jr. And, you know, he needed to make some money. And having two children, um, being a junior in um, college, it's, you, you need to make some money. So I was expecting it. I don't think he's going to come back to Michigan State. And I think he'll be at late first round. Um, early to mid second round pick in the draft. Uh, big, I think he'll be a power forward and a stretch. I, if he develops a three point shot, that's going to be valuable because he can play defense. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I believe that, uh, uh, well, going to the draft was the best decision for Xavier Tillman Sr. Uh, I think that having two children in college is a big responsibility, and he needs to be able to provide for his family. Plus, I believe he will be drafted in uh, probably late first, early second round range. So I believe that it was the best decision for him, and that uh, it, I think it will turn out good for him being drafted in the NBA. Yeah, my opinion on this is I think the coronavirus hurt and helped Tillman a lot because the hurt part is he was going to have a very big NCAA tournament, which could have risen his stock even more. I mean, right now I've I've seen him all over the place. I've seen him out of the draft because I think some people are just forgetting about him. But I've also seen him as high as about 20. But I think how this, like, this, the coronavirus helps him is because the combine's not going to happen. And... He's already a proven player in college where there's all these overseas guys and freshmen who haven't proved themselves for three years. And I think that helps Tillman because people are going to think they're he's a safer pick and he's not as much of a high-risk guy, but he's definitely uh, a good reward. Yeah, I have to agree with you. That's a big point. you got to think about guys like Steph Curry who proved himself in the NCAA tournament to – obviously be a top 10 pick and I think Xavier Tillman if he were to have a great March Madness or NCAA tournament run his drop his draft stock would have risen very highly and that's gonna hurt him uh so I have a question for you guys uh so are you guys expecting him to not return to East Lansing for next year's uh, season um I believe that at this point right now, it's it's a lot more, this is more of a reason for him to return because maybe he wants to show another season. He, he believes that he can rise up into the top 10, be a first-team All-American, le- actually lead a team this year, and become that next star forward that Michigan State's had. He's already become a star, but I'm saying he gets even better. But I also think, it just depends on how this all turns out because we don't know if there's going to be a combine or st- scouting and like meetings and other things like that. So you, ju- you just don't know right now. It's too early to tell because we don't even know if the draft's going to be on time. It could be all the way in August. Yeah, he has a lot of time. He doesn't even know who is declared for the draft. He doesn't know what – I mean, recruiting for Michigan State is a big part because – he, if he wants to come back, he's going to want to get big minutes so he can prove. But, Andrew, I'm going to have to say that he won't come back. And I have a follow-up question. If he doesn't come back, who do you think is going to replace him at the forward center position? 
Uh, well, I believe that uh, Joey Hauser, the uh, transfer that we uh, received last year, but he was ineligible to play this year, but he will be eligible to play next year. I believe that he might solidify himself to fulfill uh, fill in that spot uh, that Xavier Tillman held. Also, I think uh, Malik Hall and Julius Marble will have to step up in this sophomore seasons and to see what they can do in that spot. I don't believe Marcus Bingham will have a big role. Uh, he didn't seem to have too big of a role here, and I don't expect that to change much next season. And then uh, Maddie Sissoko, I believe, that's how you pronounce his name, the incoming freshman. I believe he will have a significant role on the team. Yeah, but uh, I don't think he'll uh, have as big as a role as the sophomore Malik Hall will have, or Joey Hauser, just his experience and size. But yeah, so I think Hauser and Malik Hall will most likely fill in that spot, and Marble and Sissoko will be uh, probably behind them in that uh, area. I don't think they have the experience. But Hauser and Hall are definitely you should win for next season. Yeah, I as think the five. What you said? As the power forward and center, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Would I think it all kind of depends on if Izzo wants to roll with Hauser at the five because he is he's he's not that big and he's he he's six eight, but I don't think he's that big of a guy when he has to go up against good center, like, really good centers. And we start off the season playing Duke. And Vernon Carey Jr., who is a phenomenal big man and very big, is a type of guy that Michigan State will have trouble with if he obviously stays in college, first of all, and second of all, if he, if we do start Joey Hauser at the five. So I think there's a good chance that he could start a guy like Sissoko or... Maybe maybe Thomas Kithier there because he's kind of a better low post defender, or maybe even Bingham or Marble. But there's also always a chance, as you see, there's so many guys going around the transfer portal right now, and I'd like to see Michigan State go after a guy like Matt Harms maybe because he's a big guy, good shot shot blocker. I think he'd be a good addition to Michigan State. I just don't know if Izzo is going to go after him. Yeah, I'm just going to say it. Joey Hauser is a power forward in my eyes. He is not a center. He can stretch the floor. So, like, you have guys like Julius Marble who they're the same height, but Julius Marble is just a bigger dude. So I think he could start a center. Obviously, Malik Hall, I think, is too small for the role. But, yeah, the transfer port- portal, and obviously, you know, um, Tom Izzo and – the Michigan State basketball organization do very good recruiting. And you could see a guy like Maddie Sissoko start at the center position next year. Yeah, aside that, and uh, speaking about the transfer portal, I would like to see Michigan State make some moves. Uh, as Henry mentioned, Matt Harms, who is seven foot three, I believe. Very big guy. He would uh, definitely be a great addition, especially if uh, Xavier Tillman does leave and uh, pursues his name in the uh, NBA draft and in the NBA. But uh, I believe that a specific guy that I think Michigan State has been targeting is 
Amari uh, Hardy, I believe his name is. His brother, Jaden Hardy, a five-star uh, 2021 uh, prospect. And he is a pure scorer. I'm pretty sure he plays at the shooting guard for UNLV. And uh, Michigan State has been going for him very hard. Pretty sure he's a Michigan native. And uh, he is a just the pure scorer, as I said. He would definitely uh, be like a Joshua Langford, but he would attack way more. And especially if Joshua Langford doesn't return, he would be a great addition for the shooting guard spot. Yeah, I think it all kind of depends on that. Like, because there's Izzo's realistically here, if we think about it, he's not going to go after a big guy. He has he already has six big guys right now competing for spots. If I if I did, I'm saying he either is going after. Somebody who more like a point guard type, in my opinion, or somebody who can play like a wing, like a small forward, like an Aaron Henry or Gabe Brown. Because right now, if you think about it, we only have four guys that are playing at the one, two, and three spots, which is AJ Hoggard, five guys. But I'm not sure if Izzo really wants to play one of these guys. Um, We have Rocket Watts, who is a returner. He was a four-star guard last year, but he made a lot of big strides towards the end of the year and probably was the most improved player. Um, we have A.J. Hogger, an incoming four-star freshman who will be an instant contributor, but I doubt he'll start. We have Foster Lawyer, a junior guard out of Clarkston, Michigan. Everybody's the fan favorite white boy shooter from Michigan State. But I don't think Izzo still ready is ready to play in big minutes, more than whatever, four or five minutes he was getting a game. We have Aaron Henry, who, if somehow he declared for the draft, would be the most unintelligent decision since Jordan Poole declaring for the draft. But he'll most likely start at the three, unless he want, Izzo starts Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown. And lastly is Gabe Brown, who I have seen been working out. He's been going crazy. I think this offseason he's going to make a really big stride and be probably that sixth man or seventh man off the bench for Michigan State next year. But there's a few names that we probably should keep out, keep a lookout for in the transfer portal right now. Um, obviously, Amar, Amari Hardy, as Andrew said before. And um, there's another guy. I, I've, I'm I've i not sure if we've reached out to him, but he just an- entered the transfer portal. His name is uh, Jair Bolden. He's from South Carolina. He's a point guard. I don't know if, like, Izzo plans to go after him, but he's another name to keep out, keep keep on the lookout for. Um. Also, two twins from Maryland in the transfer portal. They entered a long time ago. Makai and Mikel Mitchell. I think they did uh, commit to Rhode Island, actually. Makai is, I think, still in the transfer portal. I think Mikel did, though. Yeah, but one of them did. I know for sure. Both of them? And I know one of them did. I'm not exactly sure if yeah. both of them did, but I know Mackay, one of them Makai, um, former four-star recruit, um, he went uh, big guy on Maryland. Uh, he came in, and they needed to transfer, weren't getting playing time. So I don't think he's going to go to another Big Ten school, but just in Colin Castleton out of Michigan, if you guys ever heard of him. Probably I do not. think, though, yeah. that Izzo is going to go after, like, a guy who can play next year. I don't think Castleton can play next year. Really? Yeah, because he was a sophomore. And unless the NCAA passes the one-time transfer rule where you can pat, when you where you only be allowed to transfer once, but you'll be able to play 
um, immediately, no matter where, no matter what your eligibility you are. But we'll, but I think they put a hold on discussing that with all this coronavirus stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, do you think there's going to be a lot of more competition in the Big Ten? Because it was a very strong conference this year of very great intermediate teams, like probably 10. Every team could win a game in that conference, which was crazy. But do you think there's going to be any big jumps or big step down? What do you guys think? Uh, me personally believe the Big Ten will be as strong as last year's uh, conference, uh, especially with uh, all the transfers this year. Man, they're losing two key guys off the bench. Castleton, you mentioned, and David DeJulius, who was probably their key six man. Purdue lost Matt Harms, and he is like the definition of basketball, so that was a huge hit for them. I believe that uh, Maryland, with their transfers, that hurt Mitchell, or Mitchell, he said. Makai and Mikhail. But they yeah. were in the middle. They, were in, so, they transferred in the middle of last season. But. Yeah, and uh, it's just Ohio State lost uh, Luther Muhammad and DJ Carton. As well as Caleb West into the draft, but I think there's still a good yeah. chance he comes back. And uh, guys uh, going to the draft like Cassius Winston, uh, who else? Kofi Coburn, I know. Jalen Smith, Cowan, Xavier Tillman. Yeah. And I don't the class for the Big Ten was as good as uh, last class. So I have to say, I believe that the Big Ten won't be as good as last year's conference. But will still be very strong. Yeah, I, I believe that the Big Ten will still be one of the best conferences in basketball, if not the best. But I do not think it will be as good as last year, no. I will have to disagree with that. I mean, if you think about it, the Big Ten at the top is going to be insane they, they could have quite possibly four top 10 teams to start the season maybe even five if you think about it because we know most likely unless something crazy happens iowa will start the season in the top 10 because they'll have the preseason like unanimous national play of the year in luca garza they'll have the exact most likely the exact same roster with a i think it's a top seven recruiting class in the big 10 right now as well as they're getting their starting point guard back, I think, Jordan Bohannon, who is one of the best shooters in the Big Ten. And most likely they'll be starting in top ten, I'd say seven, six, seven, eight range. Um, Wisconsin is only losing Brendan Pritzel, and it went on a huge run to end the year last year. What, what, won a share of the Big Ten championship, would have been the number one seed. They're not losing anybody, so they'll probably be a top ten team. Obviously, as we know, we've talked about Michigan State a lot, and for them, it a lot depends on finishing up that roster and depending and seeing who is on the team at next year. They could be a top ten team, nine or ten ish, along with Wisconsin being nine, eight, nine, ten. Um, then there's then there's probably there's two wild cards here. There's Michigan. Michigan did lose what we all thought would be their starting point guard next year in David DeJulius, and they don't have a point guard on roster right now. Um, well, that's a, on scholarship, and they do they do have a few guys that they are talking to. I know that one of them is a big name recruit that I could say all three of us are praying does not go to Michigan, 
and his name is Josh Christopher, but we no one knows with that guy. He's already hinted at where he's going by saying the school has yellow colors, but I think from what I looked at, all five of his schools have yellow um, in his top five. But there's also a um, there's also a uh, like a, a surprise team that could I think will surprise a lot of teams. I think that's Rutgers. They're they only lost two guys last after this year, and there are two bench players. They have they got their first top sixty recruit in about twenty five years, is what I think I read. And they're they still had their top three players, and I think they're going to be a lot better than people expected, as well as. Purdue's going to get better, even though they lost Matt Harms. They'll be better. Um, obviously, Maryland will still be okay. They'll do fine. They'll, they're losing a lot, but they're still they're, they're always a decent team. And um, Nebraska will be better. Minnesota depends if um, Marcus Carr and um, Daniel Okuru return to the draft and uh, return to school. But the Big Ten, I think, will be better next year. For sure. Uh, a team you mentioned, uh, Rutgers, they should be very interesting next year, as you said. And I think they have uh, two key players aside from their uh, top 60 four-star recruit you mentioned. They're going to have two key players that I think could uh, make a name for themselves in the Big Ten. That's uh, Geo Baker and uh, Ron Harper Jr. Those guys, I think, will be uh, players for them, and I think they should have a good year. The reason why I asked you guys about if it will be stronger, I'm just looking at the, like, I'm just thinking about the top ten recruits, like, where? Like, what, Cade Cunningham going to um, Oklahoma State, Evan Mobley, obviously USC, and then... Can I make Jaylen a quick Green note here? Um, what do you have to say? Yeah, USC um could really fill out the roster in the next coming weeks, as they have two five-stars who are they're still in on, and one just added them to their top five. As we all know, I mentioned Josh Christopher earlier, who is a top ten recruit. And I think he's actually one of the best players in this class. Is why we're all very, very scared of him going to Michigan, as we're all Michigan State fans here. And Zaire Williams, who's a local guy, and I think there's a very, very high likely chance he goes there. He could also go to Stanford, another local school, or UNC, which is just... UNC, but continue on, Elliot. Um, like Jalen Green not going Big Ten, Terrence Clark looking at Kentucky very highly, like Zaire Williams, like you're saying, and um, like Scotty Barnes. I could just go like Greg Brown. Where is he? Te- is he looking at Texas? Um, I actually heard he's looking at Auburn next year, or a Auburn. little closer next year, which also could be receiving two five stars in the next coming week with. The number one player in the country, Jalen Green, and obviously Greg Brown, as you mentioned. Um, Andrew, do you have to add? Yes, uh, I believe that uh, – I heard also that uh, Auburn has made a big – they put themselves in the race for Greg Brown in the last week or so. They've made a name for themselves, and if uh, they also get Jalen Green – and uh, with Greg Brown added to that, and with Sharif Cooper also, that could be a very scary team next year. Yeah. But as, as we all know, uh, Texas is big. That's a hometown team for Greg Brown. 
they're very well in the mix for him, if not the leader. But yeah, as Henry mentioned, we've heard that uh, Auburn has put themselves maybe in the lead for Greg Brown right now. Yeah, let me finish um, before Elliot uh, continues. Uh, name a few more teams that actually are going to be good in the Big Ten next year. I've already named, I think, five or six. But um, Ohio State, regardless, they still have a they still have the number one transfer in the entire country coming in next year in Seth Towns from Harvard. And they also have, um, I think, a decent recruiting class coming in. Although they did lose Luther Muhammad, DJ Carton, they lost Andre Wesson. But they finished most of the season without DJ Carton. And Luther Muhammad, I mean, he was good, but they can obviously make up for him. And Caleb Wesson did declare for the draft, but I ultimately think he will come back. And then there's two other teams that we didn't mention earlier that I think will be very good again. Or not, one team was very good this year. The other team was decent. Illinois, it all depends on, there's there's two things here. If Ayo Desumu returns to school, they will be a probably a top 25 team to start the season. And also if Kofi Coburn returns to school, because those are two, they're two best players in my opinion. And those two players alone can definitely make them a top 25 team. And the second team is Indiana. I think they only had one or two seniors on the roster. And they had a decent recruiting class coming in. And there's another guy who could be reclassifying from the 2021 class. He's the number one point guard in the 2021 class. And probably would be the number one point guard, number two point guard in the 2020 class. And that's Christian Lander. And that was kind of where... Indiana struggled this year with big shot makers at the point, at the guard position, which would make them a very good team next year. All right, we're getting a little off top. Do you want to go back to Michigan State? Yeah, I have um, I have one last question before we start kind of start talking about like their schedule next year. Um, yeah. What does everybody? What do you guys think about Josh Langford and if he'll come back and what he should do? Rather, regardless of what he you think he will do, what you think he should do, and what you think he will do. Uh, well, I believe what he should do is pro- probably return to Michigan State to get uh, the training he needs from the training staff, and he just needs to get healthy again. And I think we have one of the best training facilities in the country, and it'll be good for rehab. Well, for Joshua Bird and his uh, foot injuries he's been dealing with. but And it would also give him another year to prove himself uh, for the NBA, if that's still what he's looking into. But what I believe he will do, I don't think he will return to Michigan State. And honestly, I've heard he just might call it quits for basketball. He might just end his basketball career because – I heard that uh, mentally the injuries have been taking a toll on him. Uh, it's just too much for him at the time. He doesn't want to go through a serious injury again. And as I mentioned, he might uh, end his basketball where it is right now and not pursue to go to the Um, What I think he should do is I think he should go to the draft and um, because I don't think he's going to get enough rehab and training at Michigan State. I think he'll get better help at in the NBA and maybe maybe be a second like late second round pick or even undrafted and just 
if he wants to really start picking it up, you'll have to be kind of like a Kendrick Nunn, and not as injury, but like wait a couple years, train, get better, um, obviously heal, and that's just what he's going to have to go through. But what I think he will do is I think um, he will come back to Michigan State. But I think he won't get as much playing time, and he might not even be healthy for this year. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, what he should do, it's it's a different route than I think both of you guys have um, said. I think he should he should go play overseas for a year or two. And that that's how a lot of these guys nowadays are making their name. Um, he would be most likely a star on these teams, obviously, if he was able to get healthy. But I think he, he's better off going overseas and then because he still could put his name in the draft then after and raise his draft stock. He'd be very old, be probably drafted pretty late, but still I think it's worth it in this case. And um, what I think he will do, I think he's, as Andrew, I think he's just going to call it quits on basketball because um, I think this is just taking a toll on him. I mean, he's already had um, – I know a lot of people haven't probably watched this, but if you watched um, uh, Michigan State All Access on him a few years ago, he had a very, very um, deadly virus enter his system. Obviously, not the coronavirus, but this was like to kill you quicker. It doesn't spread, but like it just he he's already dealt with so many hard things in his life, and I don't think he wants to deal with like a third injury. And I don't think it's just worth it for his for his mental sake. But obviously, I know we all probably want Josh Langford to return because you know it's just it, he was he was gonna be an All American before he got hurt, and I just I'd like to see him in the MSU uniform for one last year. I don't know as Elliot said how much playing time he'll get, but I think it's worth it. For sure. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Yeah. Let's move on to the uh, schedule from what we know right now. So, to start the season, um, this has been happening as the first game of the year for the past two years, and this will be the third year. Michigan State will play Duke to open the season um, in, I think, at the United Center, where, as we know, the la- one of the last times Michigan State played in the United Center, they actually won the Big Ten Championship, which was in 2019 with that Matt McQuaid and, obviously, Cassius Winston-led team that made it to the Final Four. Um, where they will play Duke. And Duke's roster is going to be very, very interesting to see because they still have a few guys who could declare. Obviously, they lost. They lost Trey Jones, Cassius Stanley, Alex O'Connell, Javin Delorier, and Jack White. But Vernon Carey still hasn't decided if he want, if he's going to leave. I think Wendell Moore already said he was coming back to school. They obviously have a very, very talented recruiting class as they have every year, um, as they have, like, six, I think, top 50 players in the country and, like, four or five stars, I think they'll be okay. But I think that game is going to be very interesting to see because Michigan State is going to actually – because usually in that game, they're usually always the more experienced team. But in that case, I don't know because we Michigan State might not have a single senior on roster to start the season, and it could be very interesting. They could, in my opinion, get destroyed very badly. Yeah, I mean, it all just depends on... I mean, it's so early to tell. We don't even know um, if half of these guys are coming back to college or not. Obviously, two 
very high-profile college basketball teams in Michigan State and Duke. And you don't know who's coming. There could be a surprise transfer. And it's. I think it's gonna. Comp- it's gonna. Um, it's gonna come down to who has the most experience and has the most big playing time. Yeah, I, I would have to. That, but in this specific matchup, honestly, I think uh, Duke will probably have a worse team than last year based off experience because I think they lost a lot of their experience with trades being gone. Uh, Javin Delorier, who has made deep runs in the tourney with Duke. O'Connell, the same thing. Alex O'Connell, who just uh, transferred to Creighton, I believe. Yeah, uh, Cassius yeah. Stanley, if he returned, he would be a sophomore. That's added experience. And we don't even know if Vernon Carey is returning yet. He hasn't uh, mentioned if he's going to enter his name a draft yet. That's a lot of so that is uh, awesome. I mean, yeah, they're adding a lot of their uh, recruiting class, but I just don't know if they will be as a, an experienced team as Michigan State is with Michigan State losing Cassius Winston, Aarons, and possibly uh, Xavier Tillman. So I, I do not believe Michigan State will win this game. But I think, because I don't think they're just as good talent-wise. I think Duke is just the more talented team. But I think Michigan State will cut it close with their defense and experience being in play. I mean, I I would have to agree. If you look at the last couple of years, Michigan State has, they don't really start the season off so great. I'm not trying to, like, downpour on them. But when they really start when when they really start to make deep runs is in late february late january and in and into february into the big 10 tournament and obviously getting a good seed in the ncaa tournament but i mean honestly i think um from the last two or three seasons um this year was our least talented team and i just think that they just had so much heart. And I don't feel like in college basketball, it doesn't. You don't need to have so much talent. I just think you need to have a lot of empathy to win the game. And so, I don't know who's going to win this game, but it. I don't think it really matters for the long run. Yeah, I. I honestly uh, also think that could uh, be in play for this game. Just uh, what Michigan State may choose to do uh, with the position, because uh, losing Cassius Winston is a towards the team, and uh, with incoming uh, freshman four star AJ Hogger, do we uh, choose to start him, or do we choose to move Rocky Watts from that shooting guard position to point guard and have him start at that position and? To think that he could be going up against five-star point guards at Duke with him having little experience at that position isn't necessarily the best thing for Michigan State. But I still think uh, he might have more experience over uh, those five-star freshmen at Duke. Plus, he's a remarkable shooter. I think he can shoot off the dribble too, which is a huge plus for that point guard position as well as his attacking. 
I don't think Foster will be able to in that game just because quickly not great against better players as you this year against the Duke. Uh, he absolutely got uh, manhandled by Trey Joe, but <laughs> but I think that it will come down to Rocket Watts and AJ Hoggard, and neither of them have too much experience. Uh, with Rocket Watts not having experience at the point guard position, if they play in there, and AJ Hoggard just having no experience the uh, collegiate level, with that being his first uh, game in here. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what that position. Let's actually like predict the starting lineups, what we think it should be, and what we think it will be. Um, I'll start it off. Here's what I think it should be. I think here's what we need. To, I think this is what we need to do to be a great team defensively which I think will help in the long run. I think Rocket Watts at point guard. Aaron Henry at the shooting guard position. Um, Gabe Brown at small forward. Um, the what's, uh, Sam Hauser. Joey. Joey Hauser. Sorry, sorry, Joey. Sorry, Sam. I meant to say your brother. Joey Hauser at the four. And then Maddie Sissoko at the five. And this is a really big lineup, as you can tell. But I just think that will help very much defensively. And banking on Gabe Brown taking a big jump. And I honestly think Malik Hall can play the three, the, the small forward position. So if he takes a bigger jump, um, Tom Izzo will not be afraid to start him at the small forward position. Uh, I would have to, uh, for the most part, agree with that starting line. I do believe... The starting lineup uh, will change throughout the season, I believe. But to the season, the opening day starting lineup, opening night, I should say, against Duke, I believe uh, Tom Izzo will start Rocky Watts at point guard. And at shooting guard, he'll have Aaron Henry. Small forward, he'll have Gabe Brown. Then at power forward, I believe he will have uh, Malik Hall. And then center, I believe, Joey Hauser. Yes, it's a very small lineup. Knowing Joey Hauser is about uh, six eight six uh, nine ish area, and Malik Hall playing at power forward is around six eight also. But I believe it's the most experienced lineup he can play, and probably the most def- lineup he can play uh, for that game. But w- once the season gets going, uh, I think he'll start playing more fresh. So uh, once the season progresses, I think. He'll start uh, A.J. Hoggard at point guard. And then uh, he'll have Rocket Watts at the shooting guard, which he played most of this season. He'll have uh, Aaron Henry playing small forward. And then he'll have at power forward uh, Malik Hall. And probably at center, uh, Matty Sissoko, as he gets uh, more experience going on. And I've, from what I've heard, uh, Matty Sissoko, he's a freak of nature. I mean, he's just a beast, an animal on the court. And I think he'll be a very great addition to the um, grit aspect uh, and hustle aspect of this Michigan State Spartans team. Yeah, um, I would have to agree on most of you guys, your guys' prediction, but I'm, I'm, I see no way where Izzo is going to just stick with Rocket Watt to the point. I mean, he's a great player and all, but I just think he's better off going after um, a already proven point guard in the from the transfer portal and I think he'll start some type of transfer at the at the one 
with Rocket Watts at the two, Aaron Henry at the three, and I believe he'll start Joey Hauser at the, the four, excuse me. And I think this is kind of going to shock you, but I think for Izzo as like the most for the most experienced guy who he thinks is just going to will he's not he's not the best athlete he's but he does all the dirty work and he's a decent low post defender. Maybe I don't I don't agree with this, but I think the most likely ch- thing that's going to happen, I think there's a very likely chance that Izzo will start Thomas Kithier at the 5. I know you guys won't agree with this. I don't agree with this. I just think that um he will start Thomas Kithier at the five. Uh, Henry, uh, all I have to say to that is uh, Thomas Kithier. I'm sorry, man, if you listen to this, but I, I'm not a particular fan. Uh, I just don't think you're uh, athletic as most of the other guys on the team. Thomas and, Kithier started at the four at the beginning of the season last year. so Yes, and I, I know that. But I'm just saying what he, I think will happen. I'm not saying I agree yes. with this. I'm yes. just saying what I, know, I believe I Coach Izzo will do. But I'm not sure even might. I mean, yes, it might happen. But Thomas Kidd, he had a shot last season. I guess he's more experienced coming into this season. Yeah, but don't know how much last season, he... What'd you say? We don't know how much practice time these guys are going to get because with all this, these facilities... Yeah, because of the, the, uh, the pandemic. Guy. I mean, out of all these guys, he's played the most in games. Yeah, uh, but... your level game. He hasn't he played particularly well in those games, we could all say. I mean, against Duke, he didn't do too good. Uh, the Maui Invitational, he pretty much lost his starting spot in the lineup and which was overtaken eventually by Marcus Bingham and I just do not think he's big enough to guard the big five-star centers that uh, Duke is getting in and I I mean yes he has experience but he's big enough I don't think he's athletic enough Andrew, Andrew before you go on a little bit I think Thomas Kithier is much more athletic than Marcus Bingham. Are you? I know. Here's what I have to say to that. I, I think I, Thomas Kithier might be stronger than Marcus Bingham. Marcus uh, weight being a huge deficit yeah. towards him, with him being very much underweight, and I think they work on that with him. I don't even uh, uh, large having him eat large amounts of food every day, changing his diet. And have him go in the uh, weight room a lot. And I do not think Marcus Bingham will play that much because of that. But going back to Thomas Kithier, I think he himself, he, I just don't think he's tall enough, strong enough, or, or athletic. I mean, I, and, I don't, and I don't going think back he can contest these big guys. Malik Hall being 6'8", is a stretch, I think. I think he's closer to 6'6". Six, 6'7". Six. Six, clo- I think he's closer to 6'6 six, six than 6'8". Six, um, but it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I think no team, no college basketball team has a starting lineup even close to set. And so I think this next month, or next two months even, um, during the pandemic is going to be very interesting to see who enters the transfer portal, 
who the recruits, who um, the recruit, the recruiters actually find, and it's going to be very, very, very confusing. I think. Yeah, let's finish off by talking about like the rest of Michigan State's non-conference schedule. Um, after they play Duke, they'll probably play a bye game against some bad team. But after that, they'll have the Gavit games, which is a um, one game where they'll play a Big East opponent. Most likely, um, from what I've heard, it will be some team uh, from the four of Villanova, Creighton, Butler, or Xavier. I, I kind of hope, in my opinion, I hope it's Villanova, and I think we are guaranteed a home game for this. I, I, I'm hoping it's Villanova or Creighton because I like to see the good games at home, obviously. But I think in all likelihood, the most likely um, team would be Butler. Yeah. Uh, is there a possible chance that we uh, see a rematch I this don't season think that's in those possible. games? I don't think that they, they're going to do that because um, they don't want to have team. They, I don't know how long these games have been like like the TVs have bought these games for, whatever, how, how this works out. Um, I think they don't want to do, like, repeat games, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, All right, and uh, that game, game should be interesting because with the teams you mentioned, those are all very talented teams and are likely going to be in the 25, uh, the majority of them. So that should be interesting to see how uh, Michigan State uh, can handle those big teams, those big and strong teams and, and very uh, talented teams. I'm a good gauge to that with uh, the Duke game, but definitely to see uh, what you said, uh, having a guaranteed home game, how we do with those teams at home. Yeah, and I think after that, we, um, we have a very – very kind of cool place that we'll, I think we're, we are, we are actually playing in the Orlando Invitational with teams headlining, obviously, Michigan State. Um, the top four would probably be most likely Michigan State. I think Xavier was in that, which also probably leads to us not playing Xavier in the Gavit games. Um, being Michigan State, Xavier, Auburn, who could end up being really good or not that good. And obviously Gonzaga, who might be the number preseason number one team, but I don't think we need to look so much in schedule, especially early like these Maui Invitationals from last year. I don't think that really mattered so much. I the think Invitational, but I just think if we're especially talking about this Michigan State team, they start to click um, at the new year, and I just think that this this really doesn't matter as much as. The Big Ten play. Yeah, I just think it's kind of cool, like how they how Michigan State likes to schedule like very tough games. I mean, it ends up helping them out more in March than you think because games in November still mean the same amount as they mean in March because right they have they're still they're still games. With that, that Tom Izzo. Well, uh, he intentionally uh, schedules these uh, uh, hard uh, games and uh, uh, Duke-type teams and uh, uh, big-name invitational games. Like last year, we played the Maui Invitational. This year, as Henry mentioned, we're going to be playing the Orlando Invitational with uh, big-name 
hymns in them. And that he definitely, uh, I'm pretty sure, has mentioned, he does it occasionally, sure that the freshmen and the young players can grow up and could have more experience. I mean, if you look, Rocket Watts was never a big factor in those uh, early games, like the Seton Hall games or the Maui Invitation games, or even uh, the Duke game. He wasn't really a huge factor in those games. But see, as we got to Big Ten play, he really rose to the occasion and played well, and almost as if a second or third star for the And I truly believe that's because of the experience he gained throughout the early uh, play against the big-name teams. Yeah. Um, They will finish off with the Big Ten ACC Challenge, but I think we should finish off here by making our initial, um, let's say we, the, our uh, record predictions, which would be out of 31 games, um, Big Ten tournament predictions, and then uh, um, NCAA tournament predictions. So, Andrew, would you like to start? Uh, yeah, so I believe Michigan State will end at around the 22-23 win range. I I believe in that Big Ten tournament, I think they should end at around... I don't think they will be champions. I think they will probably be semifinal. I think they'll get to the semifinals and then lose to probably like an Iowa-type team. Or possibly, I hate to say it, but Michigan, they're looking like they're going to have a pretty good year. And, uh, yeah, that's what I think. NCAA tournament-wise, I don't think they will go too far. I think possibly Sweet 16, I think. Sweet 16, Elite 8 range. But for the most part, regular season, I think 22-23 wins. Yeah, Yeah. um... I'm going to say 24-7 and seven for the regular season. I think they will probably still they'll struggle in non-conference, but they'll pick it up in Big Ten play as they usually do. Um, I think they'll win a share of the Big, Ten, the Big Ten title as they seem to find a way to do every year. But I think they will make – I think they will make the Big Ten championship game but lose to Iowa. And I think they will finish in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. And Elliot, um, are you still here? All right, um, I think he's gone. So I think that's going to be it for today. I'd like to thank Andrew for uh, joining us. I'm still oh, here. Still oh. here. Elliot, would you like to uh, make your uh, prediction? Yeah, don't don't forget about me. Um, I think there'll be like a 20-21 win team going around probably around six or seven losses in the Big Ten. A little down here for Tommy Zoe's usual Vikings, but... I think they'll be around a four seed and lose probably in the Sweet 16, but I think this is the start for a new, not for like the next Cassius Winston, but obviously he's gone, but I just think this is like a new era. Yeah, um, once again, I'd like to uh, thank Andrew for joining us today on the podcast. Um, Who knows, maybe he'll be a regular, we'll have to see, but... um, (laughs) for the regularities that we do this podcast. I want to thank uh, everybody for listening and we'll see you next time on the Hen L sports podcast.